I'm reading a book right now called The Gory Details. It's based on a woman who is trained as a biologist, but also is a science writer. And she does a blog uh, that she took with her from one magazine, online magazine to another. So I think she worked for the National Geographic Society. And um, she writes about kind of uh, disgusting things in science or creepy crawlies or whatever. So um, she she brought up this uh, this term uh, called benign masochism, which describes how like people like to watch scary movies like they 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 uh, they're chasing a thrill or they're uh, basically you know, they're, they're, they're going to do something that's going to be exciting in some way, but there's going to be a letdown. You know, we're kind of torturing ourselves, I guess, in a way is what she's saying. So I thought about it. I'm like, sports fandom is benign masochism. It really is, right? Um, It is basically, we torture ourselves to watch a team that will inevitably disappoint us. But we're chasing that highest high. We're chasing the championship win. Well, you know what I saw? I can't remember who tweeted it, but but sports is, but sports fandom isn't about joy. It's about being sad in a group. <laughs> I feel like that might be drag like pull, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Which, like, coming from a Leafs from a Leafs Uber fan, makes a lot of sense. Yes, <laughs> I think it's it's really incredibly accurate. It is because you know it's like much of my Patriots fandom has not been like sharing lots of joy with with people. It's been like my husband and I are private little victory group. Yay, we won! Right, <laughs> and we mm-hmm. culminated by going to a Super Bowl. And we got to see the big win. And and then everything since then has been a little bit of a letdown, except for the 28 to 3. It was 28 to 3. That was, I honestly, going to that Super Bowl must have been insane, but I, I did not get to go to that one. But anyway. that, that one brought me great joy, too, because it was the Falcons and fuck the Falcons. <laughs> As I said, but, I feel like the comparable would have been like going to the, uh, the, um, uh, um, uh, uh, two thousand Super Bowl in two thousand eight. That was the first one. First one, the Giants came back and beat them. Oh in, right? God! Yeah, whereas everyone the... I was, whereas the next time they played the Giants, everyone I was watching with before the even game started had already like resigned. Pat's fans had resigned themselves to that outcome. Ah, uh... like my buddy Craig, who's big, big Pat's fan, loves Brady. Like we're in halftime. He's like, so you know what's going to happen in the fourth quarter, right? <laughs> I have to say, much of my Bucks fandom has been pretty disappointing. But like, <laughs> except for like when I was in high school when they were good, and then like the last couple seasons. Well, but are you sad in a group? Oh, definitely. We have a Discord server. <laughs> well, I mean, fuck, being Red Sox fans prior to two thousand and four, like, was the entire thing was about being sad in a group for decades at a time, right? It's true too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my Bruins fandom really has been being sad in a group. Except for the my first year of the fandom where the Bruins made it to the final and it was just my husband and I. And then the next this. year you joined, you know, an yeah. online community halfway through a President's Trophy season. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, not not halfway through, like right at the beginning. I, I okay, so you were at the beginning of the you were at the beginning of the thir- of the um, yeah uh, because I came season. in on the introduction thread. Oh, because okay. they we were like introduce yourselves, and I was like I'm kind of a new fan. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then the next year I started a podcast. So, you know, it all works. It's Barely in Topic. A podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. Here we are once again. It's been a couple of weeks since the Bruins have been knocked out of the playoffs and guess what a whole other round of playoffs are almost complete almost because the Carolina Hurricanes are still playing the New York Rangers not that anybody really fucking cares they continue to be utterly incapable of 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 doing well on anybody else's ice it's remarkable 
<laughs> yeah, I've never seen a team that's lived and died by the last change as much as they have. Um, apparently, as of after last night's game, they now have the record for the most um, away losses in the playoffs. Which means no one else has ever made it this far with, without winning an away game in the playoffs, ever. Wow. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's okay, because if they win this series, if... Which, like, if they keep this up, they will, because they're, they, they, are gonna, they get Game 7 at home again. That's okay. I think Tampa's going to finish them off. Yeah, Tampa just... <sighs> Fucking hell. Meteor series. Fucking meteor series. It is, but you know what? I'm just going to say... I'm just going to go, fine, Tampa, win it. Yeah, do the thing. Be be an all-time great dynasty. It'll be fine, I guess. <sighs> I have never been that person who's understood the the idea of like, well, I'm just going to root for the team that beat my team to continue to go on and win because then it'll mean that my team died doing something or whatever the fuck. The no, fuck, fuck I mean, that. Like, so, so there is – I, I sort of get the, the mentality of it's like, well, if we – it, 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 if you lose to the team that win that, that wins at all, maybe it doesn't make it any bad. Where better? Like I get where the reasoning comes from. I don't agree with it. No, no, no. Fuck that. In fact, I want it nothing good to ever happen. Worse, in my opinion. But I understand why some idiots would think that that might. It's just it's just doing a bad job at coping. Is really what it is. Yeah, cope. I just, I just look at it like, no, I'm not going to root for them. They have one player that I will absolutely never root for. So that makes their team ineligible to be rooted for. And their fans are fucking annoying. They are fucking annoying. I can't stand them. By the way, we haven't introduced ourselves at all. Um. Uh, no, no, we haven't. Uh. We just jumped right in. We went really hot. Uh, I'm VA. I'm here with Jeff. Yo, yo, yo. And Tim. Hello, and really fuck them. Yes, fuck and, and them. You, as you can see, we're not, we're still not over the the first round loss to the Canes, and I fucking hate the Canes, and oh. I don't really want to sit here and talk about the Canes. It's it's less about the loss for me, and more about just hating them. Like like I just it, they could I just don't want anything good to ever happen to them. They're just they irritating and not in a particularly quantifiable way. Like you know, most irritating, annoying teams you can point to them specifically. Whereas like it's just their whole fucking vibe. Yeah, I hate and, your fucking and all the vibes and That's all the uh, and all the unrelated satellite vibes that orbit around their vibe. <laughs> their entire vibe solar system. Their galaxy of vibery sucks. Yeah, it does. It this does. Is super massive black. Go fuck yourself. At the center of their galaxy of vibe. Just fuck them. Like, <laughs> like the best way I can describe it is, I was actually watching like a podcast interview with Jason Tatum, who plays for the Celtics, and he said he what the person who was giving the interview was Josh Reddick. And Josh Reddick was talking about Coach K because they both went to Duke. And Coach K, he said one time he saw Coach K just look at his players in a timeout and say, I hate your fucking faces, and walk off. Like, in the middle of the time, that was his timeout. He took a timeout to tell them he hated their fucking faces. And that's kind of how I feel about them. I hate their fucking faces. I hate their faces. So bad. Like, that's the perfect. You know, now that you've mentioned Duke, I didn't know until, like, a couple weeks ago that Duke University was founded on the endowment of the Duke family who founded Duke Power or Duke Energy, whatever it's called now, down in North Carolina. They also made their money with the American Tobacco Company. And their heiress, D Doris Duke, was a known bitch who lived in Newport for a long time in the summers and uh, seemingly killed her uh, her her companion, uh, platonic companion slash, you know, interior designer, garden designer, Eduardo Torella uh, at Rough Point, which is down in Newport. It's a mansion that uh, has, um, yeah, there, a lot of things happen. Fucking old money. Fucking old money. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Fucking oh, 
Yep, 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 yep. But, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, some old money families just, you know, quietly exist in the background, don't make a lot of noise, don't do anything reprehensible, mostly because they don't want to draw attention to the fact that presumably they're found, their wealth was derived in some capacity, and some capacity from owning people. But, ugh. <laughs> I know, I know. I can't, um, I can't say anything more on it. I did not come for that money, so... There is a whole different side of Newport that I came from. I just wanted to point that out because you, you pointed that out about <laughs> about uh, uh, Duke, or you said Duke. So yeah, Coach Harry, think about that. He hates their fucking faces. All right. I can't That's... imagine like having a coach just like call a timeout and be like, hey, guess what, guys? I hate your faces. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> timeout. <laughs> Fuck y'all, y'all. I'm out. <laughs> you know, guys, one of the things that we didn't do in the last episode, uh, and I totally forgot about it until just a couple of minutes ago, was we did not do our wrap-up of uh, our bold predictions and stuff. Well, uh, the only thing I would point out is without a war... Never mind. No, people didn't get nominations. It's fine. I was going to say without awards being wrapped up, there's there are predictions that aren't that we don't know yet. But we also know that, with the exception of Bergeron, anything that involved awards probably didn't need to get said. <laughs> Particularly my like you know like barn burner of a fucking of a fucking bold prediction, if I recall. Well, you know what though, <laughs> we have to talk about them. <laughs> I would wait for Nick, but we, you know what. We never know with Nick. Nick was not feeling well today. So uh, because he is having complications from an illness that he had before. So I'm just going to go through this and hopefully Nick will listen and and, and uh, have a good laugh. Uh, we're all going to laugh at ourselves and each other. And we encourage you to laugh at us, too, because we're going to talk about predictions. And, you know, none of the predictions that we had this year involved the Selkie. So we can go ahead with this. Okay. Without much uh, further ado, I guess we'll say, who will lead in goals? We all said pasta, and we were all correct. It was a little touch and go there for a couple months, but it then, was. You know. <laughs> then he found his his uh, he found his lineys. There we go. Oh, and who was going to lead in assists? And we all said Brad, and we were all correct. And points, though, we all said Brad. And Brad was the point winner at 80. And it's going to be really miraculous that we'll talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Brad Marchand a little bit later uh, and why this is really stunning that that, that he had uh, a pretty good year. So we, uh, the next question was, will the Bruins make the playoffs? We all said yes. So we we're all correct. Everybody, round of applause. Wow, we have nailed four of these guys. Four questions we've nailed. Okay, where will they place in the Atlantic Northeast? Oh boy, and the bonus is um, if we know the point to total. Okay, I said second, I was wrong. Nick said third, he was wrong. Jeff said third, he was wrong. Tim said second, he was wrong. We were all wrong. But here's where it gets intriguing. P point total, guys. Point total, right? I said 106 points. They had 107. Nick said 101. Jeff said 98. And Tim said 100. So by prices right rules. Goes to Nick. No, no, it goes to me. You over, you over, no, over, you undershot by one. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I, I was so close, guys. I was so close. I was within one point. I did not overshoot. I undershot by one. But yeah, I think that's pretty good. I can't really quite claim the victory, but it's pretty close. I mean, by Price is Right rules, I did win. But wow, I'm, I'm actually stunned. But think about that. The fourth team in the Atlantic had 106 points. That was just a, a ridiculous division. Ridiculous. Will Charlie Coyle start and end the season at 2C? Which Jeff said, rightfully, was two questions. And he was right. Yes and no. Uh, Tim was also right, yes and no, and uh, Nick and I were both wrong, but yes. So, 
Congratulations, you guys. You got those. Is this the year that Charlie McAvoy will be a Norris finalist? Son of a fuck. I regret to inform you that I am the only one who got that correct. I mean, he actually should have been. been. Yeah, exactly. He should have been. That's our defense. Okay. Of course, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. But I also know that writers are lazy and they look at stats. And the only stats they look at are goals and assists. And the, and it's like, but that, but they're defensemen. Could we look at some defensive stats? Like, like, it, and it's like, it's not even, Hedman shouldn't have, is the one that should have gotten bumped here. Like, Yosi deserved to be a finalist because like, holy crap, that's, that, that is a season. 96 points. And Makar had the combination of points and mm. good defensive play. Honestly, like, if, if Yosi wins over Makar, that's not really right, but I'll understand. Yes, and uh, McAvoy should have been the third, not third finalist. He better be fourth when they actually release the full, uh, the full order. Well, I really hope that playing with Lindholm is gonna help him out there, free him up to do some other stuff, and then he'll look even better. Not that he didn't look good this year, but hopefully next year is the year. All right, so the bold predictions. Actually, with the bold predictions, one of them involves something that I forgot about. But anyway, we'll get to that. One of Jeff's bold predictions might be on hold, but that's okay. My bold predictions. Marshy was a heart finalist. Nope. Carlo had would have 10 goals and 15 assists for 25 points. Nope. 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 I was wrong. That's fine. Nick. Bruins stunned Tampa Bay and reached the ECF. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. Beat the Leafs in the first round, but you said bold, and that's not a bold prediction. Nope, they didn't even play the Leafs in the first round. So, nope. I'll I'll know. I'm going to go to Tim's, and we'll come back to Jeff's. Tim had Olmark as a Vesna finalist. Nope. 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 Swayman Calder finalist. Nope. No, no. There was a stretch there. It looked like that was possible, but then April happened. Yep. Combined, they win the Jennings. Nope. 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 Eric Howler returns to Vegas form. Uh, wow, actually. Like, eventually that kind of did happen, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to give it to Tim. We're going to give it to Tim. There you I, go. He absolutely deserves that one because, like, he had no business. That's, that's <laughs> he had no business thinking that. No, he did not. <laughs> not for as long as it took him to score that first goal. Tim had no business, but then January 1st happened and, uh, or after January 1st happened. So there you go. And then third line. Oh my. The third line has the same amount of points as the, or is it greater than points of the second line? No, no, that didn't happen. No, no. Either one did not happen. Um, okay. (laughs) That's okay. I mean, Tim nailed the Howla one. Yeah, I was going to say, like, probably the most unlikely of his of his predictions is the one he got right, which is uh, <laughs> remarkable. I, that, that is, honestly, that is Tim. That is so yeah. Tim. Yeah. It, mean, that yeah. is the, the Timmiest uh, Tim prediction ever. Excuse me. And it's, it was correct. It was so, it was, it was very good. Very good, Tim. Very good, Tim. Also, I think my third line prediction played into the Howla one because I expected Howla to be on the third line the entire oh yeah okay yep you know what actually the way i have this written down and next year i'll have a bigger notebook uh eric howla returns to vegas form third line points equals second line but tim i'm just gonna give you the first half of that yeah you deserve the win on that you deserve the win on that okay i i know it was one prediction now that i look at it because i i did split these up tim just take the win i'm taking the win howla take the win uh okay so now Jeff's is all one prediction. Yeah, I was gonna say I went double or nothing there, and I'm getting I'm gonna get nothing even for the, like the one part that I'm probably right about. <laughs> right. So he had Brad as the heart finalist. He had Bergie with the fifth sulky, which you're gonna get. Oh, there's just no fucking way at this point. Like, like he, he's winning that sulky, and like I just want to slap anyone that says, "Oh, they're gonna job on us." Like, no, they're not. If you've read any national media, they're giving it to him this year. <laughs> there's just no way that you can justify it. Looking at yeah. all of his stats. Looking at all of the stats. Pasta gets the Richard? No. 
Uh, yeah, no, 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 not terribly close either. Um, which like respect about respect Austin Matthews. I hate you, but like, damn. Yeah. Still season respect. I still hate you. I hate your face. I hate the way you dress like you got run over by a run over by a Salvation Army truck. But <laughs> <laughs> also, he didn't make it out of the first. I hate the people so that try to pretend that he's that he's fashionable because of that. Again, looks like he got run over by a Salvation Army truck. <laughs> No, not, no, no, no. Anyway, McAvoy gets Norris. Mm -mm, Honey, no, sorry. Swayman gets the Calder. Mm -mm, No. Yeah. Here we're about partial points and showing your work. I mean, but like I set myself up to not get partial points there. And I admitted that when I went through the predictions, I'm just like, I I didn't even have that premeditated. I started saying it and said, fuck it, YOLO and pushed all in. (laughs) You did. Yeah, and that that is what a bold prediction should be. I'm hitchhiking my way out of Vegas after that bet. Oh my god. <laughs> we did very well on very on certain things. Like we know this team well enough to know about goals and assists and, and who's gonna be the points leaders. That's really great. We can when it comes to guessing what writers and other people who we can't really gauge or control or we know how lazy they are, we're not very good at reading that. Except for I did say that McAvoy would not be a finalist for the Norris. And that was not on him. It was on knowing what the writers do. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to clarify that it's, it's not him. Uh, It's everybody else. So, but what I want to talk about today, because there's a whole lot of stuff that we have to talk about during this off season. And instead of inundating you with all of this during one episode, we're going to break it up over the course of a few episodes. Uh, because breakup breakup day was not one, really one day. It was breakup week. It was four days. Players, coach, GM, prez. But they they did the the players on all sorts of different days. They actually had about four or five days of breakup days for the players. Some of them are more notable than others. Like Brandon Carlo's breakup day was just basically talking about how like, uh, yeah, he had another concussion. And, uh, and he hadn't slept in like 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he, he's going to have a better year next year. And he, he looks forward to growing into the, the leadership role that they want him to have because he wore the A for parts of the season. So, you know, he acknowledges like I can be a better leader. I tend to be a little bit more like Bergy, but I can still learn from that uh, and still learn from him. And, you know, I think everybody just doesn't want Bergy to go. So that's. That's fine. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. So some some players you didn't learn a lot. Derek Forbert's breakup day. You learned that his dog Darla, who is wonderful, loves Boston because it's filthy. Yeah, she <laughs> loves Boston because it's filthy. Darla. Everybody should stand Darla. She is a senior basset hound that he adopted when he was out in, with the L.A. Kings, and she's adorable. Everybody should love her. I don't understand why there aren't T-shirts dedicated to her yet, but okay. But yeah, so like some of those days, not so exciting. Other days, we learn some other things. With that, I would like to get into some injury talk. And now I have to flip all the way through my notebook because I had to flip all the way back. Okay, well, low-hanging fruit on that front. We knew this, not like conclusively, but we knew it. Matt Grizzlick, really fucking severe shoulder injury sustained against Winnipeg in January. Yeah, that was a uh, shoulder dislocation. Yeah. Um, And apparently, like, it was, he chose not to have surgery then, even though both the doctors and to a lesser extent the team had encouraged it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that might have been a mistake on his part. Uh, yes, I think so. It's so hard because on the one hand, I I thought that Jack Eichel's fight to have the surgery that he wanted to have was a good thing. But I think that sometimes you really do need to listen to those uh, medical professionals. But like even in this case, the team like seemed to be in favor. This is, apparently was like, you know, didn't tell him and ask him to wait. That was entirely in his court. At least that's the impression we've been given. But we also know that players just are like, nope, nope, I'm going to play through this. I'm going to play through this. I'm going to play through this. I want to play. I want to play. I want to play. And sometimes you have to save the player from themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So 
God love him for doing all of that. And by the way, I want to point out not something that was uh, was advertised by him, uh, but something I happened to see on his brother's uh, Twitter account. Their father was going uh, through some cancer uh, treatment this season. Oh, St- still working on the the bull gang, but he was uh, he was going through pa- cancer treatment this this year. So maybe it might have been like Matt's way of dealing with that. Oh yeah. Like I, I just need to go to work and I need to, to work on this and I, I need to do this and I'm there for my father, but also having your parents have cancer makes you do things. Uh, having parents who are, are ill, you know how it is. I know lots of listeners probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but it could have been just like he, he needed to keep playing for him. But we also know that players are like that anyway. There's been no word on whether or not he's had the surgery. He needs to have a surgery. And like shoulder injury, shoulder surgery is one of the more in the NHL. It seems to be fairly unpredictable recovery times. The only one I'd compare it to in that regard would be knee surgeries. So, yeah. And like cause by the end of the season, you can see the guy was scared of being near the boards, which is fair. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. You don't want to further injure yourself or injure yourself in a worse way. Well, uh, um, when we find out about the surgery, we'll know a little bit more about recovery time and stuff, yeah. right? I don't know what the recovery time is. I imagine it's going to be at least six months. Yeah, like easy. So we'll see. In terms of other ones, let's see. Of course, we knew um, uh, Lindholm had that had a lower bo- had a lower body injury uh, late it's a in knee. the season. It's, it's a, a knee, injury. and he sort of some implied that there was a possibility he would need a time minor procedure, but nothing like major. So it's probably comparable, I would guess, to Charlie Coyle last off season. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little arthroscopic clean out. Just, just, just clean some crud out there. Just you know, shove a hose in there, vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it sounded like. It sounds like right now he's he's going the rehab option to see how much of that can be done that way. I can. I can only imagine they've done additional imaging on that. And that's a key thing that's going to come up in another injury that we're going to talk about. But I can, I can only imagine that they, they kind of know what's going on, but uh, they, they opted to not do anything in season because then that could have knocked him out for further in the playoffs. So, um, but now, you know, he can rehab it. And then if he needs a procedure, he can get it done. There's like, if he gets, if it sounds like it's as minor as it is, I mean, it was bad enough that he couldn't play for a while and that he still has some mobility issues, but easy enough to just take care of and be ready for the season. I mean, minor enough that like he was fantastic when he was on the ice in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. So let's just get him back to being 100 percent. And of course, you know, he did have a really minor concussion uh, that he didn't even really talk about. So. Pasta confirmed the late season concussion there, right? But like Pasta's real issue this season was 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 an emotional injury, of course. He, he talked very, very passionately, passionately about how difficult the last year has been for him and his and his girlfriend, and that his mind really wasn't in hockey most of the season. Oh, and it was heartbreaking. All the all the quotes were so heartbreaking. And like when we were open about this, we were all very forgiving about his struggles early season because we knew what it what it maybe because because of Vigo, right? So <laughs> yeah, I was ready to forgive him for having a full season dud. The fact that he turned it around was great. Whatever Pasta did today uh, this year was going to be better than I thought he would do. Yes, I understand. It's like you can't stop. You've got to keep more moving forward. And that's that's basically his message is that, you know, t- love and time helps him heal. Uh, but it's a devastating loss. It absolutely is. And I I can't say that I understand what they're going through, but I totally empathize. And I'm glad that Pasta was able to have a good year after that. And, you know, someday, someday they will heal more than they have right now and they'll be able to start a family and it'll be great but it's going to take time for him to get there and for somebody who loves kids so much as much as he does to have him lose his first child is just heartbreaking absolutely i remember someone saying 
I forgot which media member it was, but they said something similar because they said that whenever he talked about being a dad, his face would light up. I think it was uh, Matt Porter who commented on like how heartbroken he was for pasta that it even that they even mentioned that during the media availability. And of course, Matt Porter is a first time father just recently this year. So like he understood the, the pain that could be there. And he felt for him so much. Yeah, Pasta also had a cartilage, rib cartilage issues during the season. That's why he was out for most of April. He and Rebecca, they'll get through this. They will. They will. Uh, They won't get over it. They'll get through it. And that's about the best that we can do. You know, the, the best that you can do by Vigo is moving forward. As heartbreaking and terrible as that sounds. He seems to have the right mindset for as well. Everything he said, it just, I mean, it's, it's easy to spiral when something like that happens. And it sounds like he hasn't let that happen. He's been, he's had so much loss in his young life. He went to Sweden at the urging of his father and lost his father in that time period. Not that it, this is a loss, but while he was in Sweden, he was there on his own. He wasn't billeted. He was playing in the men's league. He had a stipend. He basically lived at like the the corner pizza shop and they kind of adopted him. He's been through a lot for for a young guy. It's good to see him out on the ice and when he's having fun is fantastic. But life's not always like that. And uh, I think that also makes the the bronze medal that he won today at the double IHF world's a little sweeter as well. I love pasta. I do. He's fun. He's exciting to watch. And he's just adorable. I, I can't help but think like he's so much of the Bruins family. Like fans feel like that about him. I just I, I love the kid. I watched the worlds this year to watch him. Basically him and Krejci and Swayman because I was missing the, the other hockey. So and I got to tell you him he and Krejci together. <sighs> so good. So good. Anyway, moving on to the injuries. Uh, there were a lot of people not really playing through anything major, except for one. Oh, you want to you go straight to that, or do you want to talk about the one we don't understand first? Okay, we can talk about the one we don't understand. Craig Smith. Said he was playing through some things and declined to elaborate. And later in the week, I don't remember if it was Cassidy or Sweeney said that they didn't know of that he he did that he wasn't playing through any injuries. Yep. All right. So there's something going on in Craig Smith's life. That's that's what okay. I think. I'd forgotten about that second part when we talked before the before we started recording. Actually, I I only just was like, wait a minute. Either Sweeney or Cassidy said something else that was odd that made it particularly odd. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, you know, one of the things that people probably find annoying about me, which I don't care if you feel that way about me or not, is that I always like to treat the player as a person. And uh, so I take a holistic approach. I like to think about what might be going on in the players' lives that might make them perform in a certain way or do certain things. Because guess what? That is what everybody does. Uh, we are all molded by what is going on in our lives and what's going on around us. So If you don't like that, I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about some things that you will not like. But I think that we don't know what's going on with Craig Smith. So we have to speculate. And luckily, we like to speculate wildly. And sometimes we're wrong. And maybe sometimes we're right. I don't know. But Craig Smith could be, he could have a problem. It could be a family thing. It could be just a problem with himself. Like, you know, mentally... Every athlete's biggest battle is not necessarily against their opponents. It's against themselves. It's against time. It's against their bodies betraying them, right? So it could be Craig Smith is a certain age and, you know, his body's not performing a certain way that he wants it to. Or it could be a familial thing. And the thing that I pointed out as a uh, uh, an example was that no one knew that Brock Besser was really playing through what he was playing through until their end of the year breakup thing 
when they talked about his father who had dementia, probably early onset Alzheimer's, really early onset Alzheimer's. Now, Alzheimer's cannot really be confirmed uh, until the postmortem work is done. But dementia, many things cause dementia uh, and it can be a catch-all until you can confirm the source of it. Brock Bester's father unfortunately passed away this this week, so all the love to the Bessers. But Brock had to play with that very heavy weight on his shoulders this year, which might have led to a season that was uncomfortable to play and in which he didn't do as well. And then he had to deal with trade rumors and all of that. Craig Smith might be playing through a family thing and he doesn't want to talk about it. And that's his right. And if that's what's happening, I hope, I hope that it, it gets better for you. I really do. Those are my two things. That's, that's what I think could be happening. Neither is easy. Neither is easy to deal with. If it's a, if it's a you thing, then you, you go work on it through psychologists and psychiatrists and all that stuff. If it's a, a family thing, you can also go that route or do what you need to do. Whatever that is. But it's his right to not talk about it if it's a personal matter. And if it's not an injury, which it sounds like it wasn't, then I hope it resolves itself and that he's okay. Mm-hmm. So big one which was also a little odd how that got the information got rolled out to us over the last couple of weeks okay first of all i want to point out something we're talking about marshy yeah and he rolls into the press conference into the media availability wearing a ramones t-shirt so naturally oh, and he doesn't even says he doesn't even know who a ramone is he's <laughs> like i don't even know who ramone is and i'm like sitting there i'm like oh my god Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it is so Brad. It is so Brad to just put something on and not know what it, what the meaning is. Yeah. <laughs> and not care. Yeah. And not care. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what a Ramon is. <laughs> they obviously didn't have him do any of that during his Rad Marchand uh, lyric uh, readings or singings on uh on uh 98.5 but uh yeah so i i just wanted to point that out because i thought that was the funniest thing but he comes in and he's just kind of like so blasé about the information that he's about to impart Eh, i might need a hip procedure this summer or next we'll see yeah and then two days later two days later sweeney talks about it in a way, it's a bit more concrete and sounds like we're waiting to see what he needs. As it turns out, they did additional imaging. Probably an and MRI. Apparently, too, because it was... Uh, and he ends up abruptly, what was this, Thursday or Friday, they announced? He, that he'd had surgical work for labral tears on both hips. Yep. He had arthroscopic and labral, uh, labral repair on both hips so that is a lot worse than he was letting on which means that this guy is a beast do you know what a fucking beast this guy is well, i mean remember he played multiple seasons for the fucking sports tournament too i know his pain tolerance is amazing now earlier in the season with hathaway remember the sentient boat shoe basically boarded him in a really awful way and we thought how is brad even like upright how is he able to do anything he didn't return to the game but how is he able to get through this and it turns out that was uh an ac joint injury and the acro uh, acromioclavicular joint so that is like it's a little piece of cartilage right here that that connects the clavicle to the shoulder that is the same injury that bergie had a few years ago he got injured in like a stars game. Oh yeah. We had that in the, in the sternal because Bergie had a cracked sternum to go with it. Right. Cause it was a sternoclavicular. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Bergie had a sternum component to it. If I, if, I, if I recall. Okay. Well, maybe it was like, just, yeah. Anyway, it's a similar injury. 
not the same, but it's a similar, similar. And that is how he, somehow or another, he just, it, that was just a pain tolerance thing for him. Honestly, I kind of wonder with these injuries, maybe he's been ornery and that's why we saw some like vintage Brad on ice douchebaggery late this season. Yes. Like, I'm kind of wondering if that's why like that, 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 that Jari incident, which was like, what the fuck dude? Honestly, if you are in pain and you're fighting through it, you get bitchy. You get bitchy. You get childish. And when you're already prone to being a little bit of a wiener on the ice from time to time, it's just going to get worse. <laughs> yeah. So he was playing through a lot of shit. Also not getting a lot of sleep, probably. The baby was a total surprise to me. But mm. anyway. Luckily, not to him. <laughs> Even the best people, or the people who are the best at managing their pain are going to have lapses. So, because it was really surprising to see Brad, who had been trying so hard to get, to to redeem his image, to make it seem like, yes, I am the captain and waiting. And then it's like, you'd see the bullshit that he was doing on the ice. He got suspended, Right. I mean, he got suspended for reputation more than anything else. The the stuff that he was going through, I have no doubt that pain played uh, a part in it. And also a lack of mobility. There were times where he went through slumps and he just was not having a good time. Oh, he closed the regular season on a rather lengthy, grim period there. Yeah. I mean, he had the he had a good playoffs. Not the first couple of games, but like took off from game three onward, right? Um yeah so anyway six month recovery time they're telling us and i've seen a lot of skies falling stuff about this for a variety coming from a variety of angles but stick be strictly on the grounds of injury everyone's like oh but took a rask had hip surgery coming back it's like it's a different position yep and importantly krejci had the same procedure on both hips just close to a decade apart and and came back no problems both times krejci had the hip work in oh nine and then 19 i think yeah but they had spent a couple of years not doing anything to that hip oh yeah that second one crazy had needed it for a while when he got the second second procedure done yeah right so uh and he played much better after he got the procedure done so and the other counter example would be tim thomas had hip surgery and came back and had a had a vesna and consmite season immediately <laughs> tim thomas is the stuff of legends yeah. <laughs> so Brad Martian is going to come back, have a Vesna season, and win the guns. <laughs> I mean, that'd be something fucking else. Like, who are you? He's Brad Martian, not Michael fucking Ryder, man. <laughs> well, I mean, if he comes back and has a good season, he's a definite Masterton trophy candidate. But his recovery time does raise other questions. It does. It does. Jeff has taken over as the host of the show. I mean, that happens often. Sorry. <laughs> did tim did you just hear him say that he's better than me that's not at all what i said doesn't even have a passing resemblance to what tim, i tim tim i'm recording you... <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry tim sorry <laughs> parent or dog both <laughs> <laughs> Tim, did you hear Jeff say that he was better than me? I did. I did hear it. I did hear it. <laughs> I said nothing of the sort. <laughs> Listeners, you're not going to let this injustice stand, are you? <laughs> let us let us know on our social medias at barely on topic that that is not what I fucking said. <laughs> <laughs> well, as it turns out. What we're going to do over the next few weeks is talk about a bunch of points that uh, Fluto Shinzawa, the athletic, has has brought about as uh, he terms it the Bruins nightmare offseason in nine ghastly steps. A couple of the steps we're not really going to cover because we don't agree with them. Again, some of them come across like he sort of created them to pad the list. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I like to call it Fluto's doom and gloom. Two items on this list... Actually, three items on this list could probably be covered right now. Uh, one of them is uh, number five on the list. 
is what we've been talking about. Let me actually list, let me talk, uh, read out the bullet points of the list, okay? Flitter's doom and gloom. Number one, the bad thing happens. Two, the Bruins do not acquire a credible replacement after the bad thing happens. Three, Bruce Cassidy is fired. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Four, David Pasternak signals he is not interested in re-signing. We'll get into that, obviously. Five, Brad Marchand has to miss time. He, he will now be out until approximately Thanksgiving. Yep. <laughs> we'll circle back to that, the implications of that time, of that timeline shortly. <laughs> yes. Number six, Jake DeBrusque upholds his trade request. Mm. Number seven, Matt Grizzlick is traded at a discount. And number eight, kind of, well, not really, but number eight, this is where we think he's padding stuff, but I'll read it anyway. Eight and nine, I'll read. The Bruins do not find any takers for Connor Clifton, Nick Foligno, Eric Howla, Thomas Noshek, or uh, Craig Smith. And number nine, the Bruins cannot get back into the first round of the 2022 draft. All right. So let's talk about the Marshy thing. He's going to miss time. And double hip surgery. The odds of him being at the height of his powers when he comes back are not terribly high. They're not zero, but they're not high. Yeah. So part of the thing is, and you have to understand, is if he's not back till Thanksgiving, it's been shown enough times that astonishingly few teams, if they're out of it at American Thanksgiving, which incidentally the Bruins were this year. So like, okay, there's just some precedent. Make the show. Right. Not having your top scorer for the first two months of the season. And again, it'll the season's supposed to start earlier than this one, than the, than the one we just finished did because it's supposed to go back to a normal start time. So it means opening games of the season should open around Canadian Thanksgiving. So yep. Columbus Day, yeah, <laughs> somewhere in there. Yeah, they usually start before. Yeah. Okay. So, what's that with us? I mean, like they're not like catastrophically bad on the left wing in this situation because you just move Jake back to the to the left, which like makes sense considering there seems to be a pretty widely held assumption that Lysel will make the team out of camp. Plus, enough other right wing factors. Um, whether you're talking McLaughlin or Steen, I guess. Neither of whom should be in your top six, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and like a left group of headline by Hall, Jake DeBrusque, and then like, I guess, Frederick and Felino as a present isn't awful. It isn't good enough, but it's not basement team. It can keep you in the mix. Exactly, yes. Assuming certain other things aren't taking place. Right. If the bad thing happens, you're I don't even think you're shooting for in the mix. <laughs> no. Now, do we have a view about do we think that this has any is it is is a breadcrumb on the matter of the bad thing? I think it is. I think it is. Uh, my 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 thought is that uh, Brad went ahead and had this surgery not just because he needed it, but because he knew that there was going to be a decision and there was no point in trying to hold on for Bergeron. So the only other counter argument I would put to that is given the almost guarantee that he's the next captain. Yep. Could he potentially be postponing the start of the potential first season of his captaincy on the grounds that he thinks Bergeron, that Bergeron's not retiring and that he wants to be at the height of his powers at the end of, at the end of this end of next season. I only just I only just thought this one through through right now. I'm like, honestly, that's a stronger argument, I think. That that could be true, but I also look at it as like he looks he looks to Bergie as he would a big brother like a big brother who doesn't want to disappoint. This is true. I know that Brad is full of bluster and ego and all of the fun and bad things that come with that, but I don't think he's that egotistical. That it's like he's like the captaincy's mine. I want to be at the height of my powers when that happens. Well, but it's not, not the argument, though. The point is, is like if he, he's if he's if, if... Bergie's still going to be the captain, so therefore he can take the time off now to do this. Exactly. Okay. Plus, and and importantly, it means he has it and is able to be better at the end of the season when they're hopefully doing what would be a last run with Bergie. 
Exactly. That's true. And that's, that's what I was arguing. I'm, I, I, that came out differently. I'm sorry. That was not. That was. Uh, that was. A, that was a pure optimism argument. I wasn't like attributing blind ambition or anything like that to to, to Marshy. No. Whereas I could see the argument where if he knew he was going to be captain come fall, that he would feel an obligation to the team to be there from day one. Right. 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 I, I look. It's how I interpreted it, and. If I interpreted it that way, some people can interpret it that way. So I wanted to make sure that we got that. Well, thank you for forcing me to clarify what I meant. Yes. Right. Right. Um, because there are different ways. Look, words are difficult uh, and they're difficult to impart and sometimes they're difficult to parse. So I just I wanted to make sure that we got that um, straight away. But, you know, what's really great about this whole situation is if that's indeed what's happening, if if Bergie's returning Marshy's got the surgery and he's going to be out until like, you know, uh, the end of of uh, November. Guess what? L-T-I-R. That doesn't do you any good for only two months of the season. Not really. Anyway, you um, still have to move, you still have to clear the board, bring him back in. All right. Unless you well, were going to grind him out to the end of the year, which they're not going to do, because like we've already been told six months recovery time. Okay. The LTIR argument doesn't fly here. It just does. There's just, just no. All it does is create space to be able to actually call up enough players because right now the team doesn't actually have enough space to be able to do that going into next year. All right. Well, they've got that space then. I know they have to clear other space, and that's probably one of the reasons why uh, Fluto was so hot on trading everyone. <laughs> Literally uh, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, Pickles like, well, uh, who are all of the accessory pieces? And he's proposing trading approximately every single them. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which leaves you with no one. <laughs> you just have to replace everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they have some people in the system. Not a lot, but some. But but anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying, you know, all right, having the ability to have the space to call people up is important because we saw that that can be very bad when that happens to you in season and you can't call up a goalie, Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> yes. Um, the league after that has made a change. Oh. Oh, because it happened to the Leafs, huh? I mean, like, I think that's a case where they would have made an exemption for anyone. Basically, it's like you can call up a two-way goalie with an exemption in this scenario. Oh, good for them. I'm not for the Leafs getting any special scenarios. So as you can imagine, this is the reality of the situation. We have Brad Marchand. He's going to be out until probably the end of November. And he's getting the, the he got the hip surgeries that he needed. Uh, it's not going to be a Tuca situation in that they are different positions. Tuca had to do a lot of stuff with his hips, a lot of pressure on his hips and his body just wasn't responding in the way that he wanted it to. And it's very possible that Tuca tried to rush himself back. Where maybe the scenario might have been take the year off. But he didn't. He decided to retire. And actually, I'm happy to see Patriots legend Tuca Rask sitting in the suites <laughs> with his fellow Patriots players. <laughs> <laughs> That was so funny when they flashed to that. <laughs> and he's like pointing to David Andrews like, no, no, him, him, not me. But everybody wants to see Tuca. Because we all miss him. Or people miss the ability to say Tuca sucks. Or whatever. I miss Tuca. But if I could get a suite and have him come and shake hands with me, I think that would be the ideal situation. We'll just have to have a business name. It's a, we're a business. Okay, so one of these things on this list is happening. Brad Marchand is missing time. I really hope the bad thing doesn't happen. But we did have at least one listener last week or in the last couple of weeks tell us that they were glad that we talked about it. And let me read what that, what that friend of the pod said. A friend of the pod, Russ Hallowell said, I know these post-elimination episodes can't be that much fun to do. But I honestly feel they are the best example of why I enjoy listening to you guys so much. Oh, thank you. There's passion. There's emotion. But underneath all that, there are reasonable Bruins fans who talk candidly and optimistically about the future, regardless of how grim it appears to be. I felt a, 
lot more at peace with the very bad thing potentially happening after listening to you all talk about it. Thank you. Thank you, Russ. It was good to have that that feedback. We welcome feedback. And yeah, I think uh, it makes it a lot easier to to go through it if we talk about it rather than pretending it isn't going to happen. Which, incidentally, another rather prominent listener of ours appears to be taking the other tra- other tack. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm a Green Mountain girl. Oh, no. You gotta, you, you gotta, honey, we're, we're here. We're all here to get through this together. We are. We're gonna get through this together. If the bad thing doesn't happen, we're all here to just be happy about it. Nobody wants this to happen. But if I've learned anything in this life uh, of mine, and if I've learned anything from watching Russian Doll, it's that you can't change the past. You just got to move forward. And moving forward sometimes means just dealing with the icky stuff that you just don't like, as you already know. Right? We all know this. So we, we talked about it. I don't feel like we have to keep ramming it down people's throats. But... As we go through this period of uncertainty while he's making his decision, and we hope that he makes the decision that we like, but we know that we that he needs to make the decision that works for him. I I think it's just better to to deal with it as we can. So we're all in the boat of not wanting it to happen. Not yet. Someday we'll have to deal with that. We don't really want to, but we we will. So we're not going to ram it down your throat anymore. We we've already talked about that. And we'll talk about number two on the doom and gloom list a little bit later, because I don't think that we need to talk about that right now. I have not spent the time looking at the Don Sweeney and Cam Neely pressers, because there's just a lot of stuff that I know that they said, I that I've read, that they've said that I just, I'm not sure I agree with. And I would rather save that rant for another time. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, honestly, like the one subject is really one. There's only two subjects they talked about that I think actually are worth even addressing. Like, I wouldn't bother going back and reading and and watching or reading the whole thing. The only things interesting they talked about really at all are Cassidy and Sweeney's futures, respectively. And we'll we'll do all of those another time, I guess. We'll wait to see developments on both fronts. (laughs) <laughs> well, I did float the idea that uh, if the Celtics were going to win <laughs> and have a duck boat parade. <laughs> Again, I, don't th- I still don't think the, the clone firing was deliberate then. They're just really stupid. Not, not, not obfuscatory. <laughs> they needed to do it a month before. They needed to do it a month before. How? Why did you wait a month? Why did Honestly, you wait a month? Why, did they, why didn't they let him go after the second playoff miss? So they should have done it. 10 months before <laughs> this is true well that's because they wanted to put cassidy in place well yeah they had cassidy in house all they had to do was dismiss claude and hire and hire bruce they didn't need to have him as spend time as an assistant remember remember bruce had previously been a nhl head coach not recently but he had been yeah and it didn't it didn't go very well for him so i mean he, well yeah but that was also was like that, that franchise was dying and then decided to blow itself up in the interest of getting Ovechkin and it worked out. Um, <laughs> yeah. He needed to learn some stuff too. Let's not, he was well, young. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So um, my, my point is, is that I thought, I thought that they were hiring Cassidy as one of his assistants to kind of light the fire under his ass uh, rather than being like, well, we've got this guy it, that we're just going to slide right in. It was more of a like, look, Look at your new assistant. Oh, he's had such such success down in Providence. He wins. He plays a little bit. He has a different kind of scheme for hockey. Let's uh, let's put him as your assistant. Light that fire. Incidentally, I've seen a lot of people complain more recently. It's like, well, you know, it's like, you know, Cassidy and much like Claude played very defensive. We coached very defensive hockey. Parts. Yes. But here's the thing is. No fucking coach would coach the Bruins with Patrice Bergeron, and for a significant portion of the time, Cassidy Cassidy was here as Dan O'Chara, and differently, because that would be insane. That would be a waste of having uh, of having once in a lifetime resources. The Bruins, whether you like it or not, are a defensive team. That's how they've been built. Yeah. Yes, they exist in in that way. 
there are aspects of the the defense that work really well, um, as we've seen Derek Forbert on the penalty kill because the Bruins still take a lot of penalties. Excellent, excellent pickup for that reason. We've had McAvoy in the system. We qu- haven't quite had the right pairing partner for him. Even with Zidane Ochara here, it was more of a tutorage, uh, tutel- uh, tutelage kind of thing rather than this is exactly what we want for McAvoy. And... Well, yeah, I mean, but the truth is their career arcs just didn't line up for them to possibly be the power, the power pairing they could have been. Right, right. And that's fine. So now they've made a move. They got Hampus Lindholm, who will be able to move the puck and do other things that other partners have not done as well as successfully. Well, that's just, he brings the defensive acumen from Chara and the puck moving and mobility from Grizzlick. So basically bringing these two different things that worked with McAvoy into something that's truly complementary. Right. So guess what? They're going to still stay a defensive-minded team. But you have to admit, under Cassidy, we've had a lot more fun in the way of scoring. And a lot of that is um, just Cassidy freeing things up a little bit. Could he free things up a little bit more? Yeah, he could. I don't even know if he has the personnel to do that or ever has, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it could happen in the ideal circumstances. But also, you know, when you've got a joy like David Pasternak to watch, you know, you're not going to give him too much defensive responsibility, if any, because that's not his thing. And he's just really fun to watch when he's on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not as exciting and flashy as other teams. But there is the potential to have fun and to continue winning. And, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, and and I can't understand how you're a Bruins fan if you don't like this, but the defense is going to play heavily into that. It just has. It has for a long time. It will. Um, you just have to accept that. Love a defenseman, people. Love a defenseman. It's okay. I don't want fi- I don't want Cassidy fired. But I also have to, I, I just, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's not the one picking the groceries here. No. And But I know that the person doing that is going to fire him far before he gets fired. But I, I think the thing that, that really bothers me right now, and I don't want to get it too in-depth into it, is that I just feel like Sweeney and Neely are a little too close. Yeah, like, again, like, I don't really necessarily, if he was under contract, I wouldn't be in favor of firing Sweeney. Right. But it doesn't mean I'm in favor of giving him a new contract right now. And again, like, I don't really think he fucked up, to be perfectly honest. What else was he going to do last summer? (sighs) I mean, like, clearing cap space and then not acquiring a winger may have been a mistake, yes. But, like, again... Yeah. <laughs> One winger wasn't going to change the outcome of that series. Oh, no. No, no. I don't even think having a better second line center than Howell would have changed the outcome of that series. No. 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 Doing whatever you could have done to have home, home ice advantage could have uh, helped there, but that wasn't going to happen when you finished fourth, so... No, and then I don't. There, I don't think there was a real scenario this team was making up, getting up to second in the division. They did for a brief moment, one night, because Tampa and Toronto stumbled for a little while, and then both got their shit together to close. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know what? Thank God the Toronto Maple Leafs have done what they always do. I still can't believe they're doing. They're changing nothing. I'm just like, how, how, how is that? How? Uh, insanity. Insanity. I like it personally. Yeah. I hope, I hope they never win ever. I'm, I wish them much success and not winning. And I think the more remarkable is the sheer volume of, of hockey, of, of hockey writers and commentators rushing to endorse that. Yeah, they're doing the right thing, running it back. No, they're not. Just because they just had a fantastic season, they have had the exact same result with this core and this management group for six fucking straight seasons. <laughs> That's one thing I don't get. They're running it back. 
to another playoff exit? Like what? What? Like what is there to run back? When I think of running it back, I think of a team that won a championship. They haven't won shit. Oh, we're gonna run it back. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> you're gonna run it back to another first round exit. Got it. Good job. But again, like if they're not gonna make any big changes, move anyone important around, they're not gonna have any money to fix any problems. They just have to. So basically, what they're saying is the team doesn't have any problems, and that's objectively false. Well, when you cover your eyes like this with your hands, no, you can't see any problems. The very raw fact of the matter is, is you know what their problem is, is the Tavares contract. And for that reason, Duba should be out of work. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad that's biting them in the ass. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love it. You and now jerk. they're talking moving Tavares to the fucking wing. It's like, okay, who's going to be your 2C then? Because you guys seem to be no interest in making making Nylander a natural center be a center. And I read something about running Marner at seas. Like, again, if a guy plays so much as five minutes at the wing at any level before the NHL, they have, they are not an NHL center and never will be. We saw this kind of thing with the Blackhawks during the season after their first cup where they tried to run Kane as their, as their 2C. It did not work. At all. Convert C's all day long. You cannot convert fucking wingers to centers. Yeah, I thought I saw somebody say, move Marshy to center. No. Marshy was a center in junior, but he played but, but by the time he but he did but by the time he was in the AHL, he was a wing. Yep. Oh, I don't want to see him as a center. <laughs> he's fine doing what he's doing. Why why change it? You know? Um Yeah, you can't solve your center problem by moving somebody who's not really a center over to center doesn't work that way oh so. and that was like you know the big question when we signed howlow was it wasn't clear if he was even still in NHL center apparently kind of damn right he is <laughs> he's not gonna take he's not gonna take your hell slander today damn right he is tim was partially right on that Howla having that year. Just not on that line. <laughs> Which is funny, like basically Tim was saved from himself because he guessed because he made his prediction on terms that were utterly impossible. But he got the half credit because things didn't work out the <laughs> because he because he lost out in the other half. <laughs> yeah, see now I was willing to give you partial credit. You did not want to take it. I did I, take it. No, no, I was talking about Jeff because he made that one big bold prediction and he didn't want to take the partial credit on the one thing he, he got right. But, of course, he, you know, it was basically saying water is wet. So, Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> that was like the least bold of the p prediction. That's true. Although it is pretty bold to say that somebody's going to win a fifth sulky. So, well, anyway, we have a lot to talk about this summer. So we are going to roll back our talking. Well, how am I saying this? We're going to roll back to every other week, but we have a lot of things to talk about. And as more news comes out, we will be able to talk about those things in almost real time, kind of, you know, when they're relevant. So, yeah, I think with that, we should probably uh, wrap it up. I thought there was something else I wanted to say, but I totally forgot what it was. So, Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us wherever your favorite podcasts are found. You can uh, follow us on Facebook. That's at Barely on Topic Podcast. Or on Twitter at Barely on Topic. And, of course, there's our individual Twitter accounts. I, for one, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am benign masochism.edu. Also known as that VA from RI. Word? <laughs>